everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing yeah. today, Jay? Doing great. You're on location today. Yeah, location in Minnesota again. Not yeah, outside, well. people. Not outside. If you've heard, I mean, the whole country basically is under sure. some freeze, but I landed in Minnesota not quite a week ago. 19 below zero temperature, 30 below zero wind chill. That's cold, people. That's real cold. That's real cold. That, yeah. You move very fast when that's yeah. the temperature. <laughs> yeah, clearly the land of ice and snow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, before we get into this week's uh, guest and, and discussion, uh, come on, here we go. Let me bring up my notes. I'm always, I'm in a new location. So it's a new, where do I find everything in yeah, front of me? Exactly. Uh, quick shout out to our supporters and our sponsors. Thank you to Hypebot and Bands in Town. And of course, Bandzoogle.com, built by musicians for musicians. Bandzoogle's an all-in-one platform that makes it very easy to build a beautiful website and EPK. Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and a custom domain name. You know, I don't know about you, Jay, but to this, even now, I'm still finding so many artists that thinking about a website and a custom domain name was not on their radar. Yeah. Don't Can like, you believe oh, it? I got a Facebook account. Do you need more than that? Yes. You yes. Yeah. Yes. It's crucial. You have to have one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so cheap. Just go do it. Just yeah. go do it. And it's easy and they'll help you out with that. Um, I get it that it's, a, it's challenging for some people when they think, oh, well, I, I have this domain name I got from GoDaddy or I don't have a do domain name. How do I get it synced up with the site? They'll help you with all that stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, they also have dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding, fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and of course, uh, as you just mentioned, Jay, live tech support from their musician-friendly yeah. team seven days a week. Yep. So we got a great little offer for all of our listeners and viewers out there. Head over to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days, and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, and you will get 15% off the first year of any subscription. And of course, discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's musicians. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CDs, vinyl, t-shirts, online, and eventually back at gigs has become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell online or at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Mm -hmm. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. So we got a great little offer here. Head over to discmakers.com, place an order for a hundred or more CDs, 
check out using the code FREEBIZ and you will save up to $150. Nice. So uh, who's joining us this week, Jay? We have Sarah Beth Perry from With The Band, a, a fan engagement company doing some cool stuff with fan clubs, something that's near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, yeah. So give it a listen. This is something I think should be on everybody's radar. But uh, make sure you stick to the end because there's a lot of Jay and I kind of share our advice too when it comes to launching these. It's just not a quick get rich. We're going to make $100,000 in revenues doing a fan club type of thing. That's right. So let it roll. Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Today we're joined by Sarah Beth Perry, founder, CEO of With The Band, uh, a fan engagement company, sort of a modern-day version of the traditional fan club. Sarah, thanks for uh, joining us today from beautiful Nashville. Of course. Thank you for having me Yeah, on this lovely, snowy day. So, so Sarah, why don't you, what, what, what was the idea that made you go, I'm going to start with the band? Yeah, you know, um, it's crazy because I joke about this, but I'm so serious in the fact that I swear my entire life has like led up to this moment. Um, so I grew up in Nashville, always knew I wanted to do music. And then as I got older, my sister and I became like the huge fans of the typical boy bands, went to all the shows. Uh, And with my little knowledge of the music industry at that time, I remember seeing bands congregate and kind of had the thought of, oh, well, like, I wonder why the artist teams aren't involved in that. Like, I feel like that's a missed opportunity. Um, And then it really wasn't until I got older and actually started learning more about the music industry and realized, you know, there's a job besides working at a label. And so I realized, oh wait, like someone has to be doing this fan engagement portion for the artist. And so I actually set out to find a company that I wanted to work for that dealt within this fan engagement realm. And when I was looking, could not find anything that I felt like was really solving the problem. And that was the first time where I kind of had this idea of like, oh, well, if there's not something, well, what would the kind of best version of that look like? And that's really where the seed of With The Band came from. Well, tell us a little bit about, for someone who's never heard of With The Band, if you're, you know, what's the elevator pitch? If you if you meet someone and they say, so Sarah Beth, what are you up to? What do you tell them about With The Band? Yeah, so honestly, it has changed dramatically over the past year. Um, And so used to, I would say, you know, we're a fan engagement company that, and even in what we do now, what we really, our goal is, is to strive to help promote uh, the artist, whether that's a single or an album through community. And so previously we were doing a lot of live events. Uh, We did have an app that enabled fans and artists to create and participate in fan projects and fan meetups. And so the fans were creating these projects all over the world. And then we started partnering with these artist teams to create these huge fan activations. So we did a big one at the Jonas Brothers show, and then we did Casey Musgraves, and they were going great. We're continuing to go down that path, and then COVID hit. And so we really had to completely rethink our strategy as well as, you know, everyone else in the music industry. And uh, through that, really realized that the problem we were trying to solve got even bigger and realized that more than ever, these artist teams really needed help 
figuring out that relationship with their fans. And so we ended up kind of getting a team of like 15 different managers or people who work in digital together to figure out, okay, what are their needs now and how we can we solve those? And so we ended up working the past eight months on building out this brand new platform that enables an artist to start their own fan crew, which is our new modern day version of a fan club. And so we haven't launched yet. We just finished development. We're about to launch in uh, two months and we're really excited because it really enables the artists to create their different tiers, their pricing, what the benefits are, uh, and really where we saw the gap was there's Patreon and that's for, you know, these smaller indie mm -hmm. artists. There's a few other things similar to that. And then for medium to larger size artists, there's a newsletter or there's a completely customized app. And there's really nothing in between that is, you know, good technology that's trustworthy, uh, that really helps them manage their fan base. And so that's what we say we aim to do is bring this Patreon business model to the town level of masterclass. So this is medium to larger artists, artists that have a base already, right? So this isn't going yeah. from zero to 60. This is really engaging with an audience that you currently already have, but may, maybe in a more personal, meaningful way. Yes, definitely. So how do you do that? So you've got what's it called? Fan Cruise. Mm -hmm. right? Which is the new kind of uh, new wave of uh, fan club. Yeah. Kind of tell us like if I'm an artist and I've got that base and I'm thinking of ways to engage my audience, how can you help me? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, and even if I'm, you know, not working in ours, just giving advice is like, you need to own your data and you can't be building your fan base on a platform that you do not own and the fact of you know if you're on Facebook and Facebook disappears like MySpace did you can't convert those fans over and so that's my biggest thing is find a way where you can really start creating that relationship with fans on your own terms and so that was one of the biggest things that I saw when looking at uh, you know, any type of social media platform, but then also like community, the texting where you see like an artist give out their phone number and the fans can text it. Right. Like they don't give out any contact information for the artist to carry on. And that's a big red flag for me is, uh, you know, in, even in this time of like accounts getting blocked on different platforms, like you, or you get shadow banned on TikTok, you never can really control that. And that's really what I wanted to enable these artists to do was really have control of their fan base. So how does, how does with the band integrate into the existing online world? You know, cause I, yeah. you know, I sort of playing devil's advocate, a manager's going to come here and go, or, or a band that's self-managed. Yeah. Well, I've got a huge fan base on Facebook and I've got an mm -hmm. active website and I'm selling merch through Bandcamp, and, and I'm doing VIP programs. How does this, integrate into all of that because I, I again plain devil's advocate I don't want to start a whole nother world that I now have to okay I got to create content special to this world that's different from this world that's different from this because I've also got a patreon you understand where I'm coming from so it's like totally how how are you differentiating yourself from everything else and then how do you integrate into everything else yeah. So where I really say we focus on like, is that super fan? So 
not only just like converting your regular fans to super fans, which is what we were kind of doing through those fan activations, but really harnessing that like intimate relationship with that fan who's already going to your show, already following you on social media. And it's really making that relationship more intimate through uh, different ways. We've set it up so it really integrates well with a lot of other tools. So we wanted to create almost this like virtual VIP experience for a fan. And really when we initially did our research is we found that fans, uh, weirdly enough, when social media came around, you know, it kind of knocked out these fan clubs, these older model of a fan club. And we lost the community a little bit within the fandom. And that's really what the fans wanted. And so that's kind of what we set out to build was where's a place that the fans can congregate, they can hang out, they can talk, you know, about their favorite artists that they love. But then the artist also gets to own that relationship and gets to basically monetize that relationship. And yeah. that's really where we saw the difference is uh, you look at, you know, even kind of the things that people have kind of copied and pasted together this past year of different virtual ways to do it through Zoom or whatever. They're not able to really fully monetize that relationship digitally yet. And that's really where we wanted to come in is enable this live stream, but also virtual meet and greet uh, exclusive content where they can really have it all in one place and be able yeah. to monetize off of those transactions. Yeah. I think there's two things that you just touched on there that are near and dear to my heart. Yes. Monetization is important. It's a music business, but putting that aside for a second, one of the weaknesses I think of the business in general, the new music business and many platforms is when it comes to ownership. And, and you just touched on that when you're using a social media platform. Well, you have to pay to reach the fans that have yep. already agreed to follow and engage with you, which seems counterintuitive to me. And same when you talk about digital service providers, now you're disintermediated, if I can use a big word. <laughs> um, and I think what the industry needs desperately are ways that you can have ownership of your fans like the fan club used to be like mm -hmm. maybe pledge music before it went under had a taste of that patreon has that too and i love patreon but you're subscribing to that artist and not everyone is going to pay money every month but still wants to be engaged and have uh, a relationship with that um, what are some of the kind of uh, hurdles that you see going forward? Is it that there's a cost involved for this? Is that a challenge? Is it getting artists to buy in? Um, what, are, what are some of the challenges? Yeah, so um, it's been interesting with talking with so many different artist teams. I think kind of the first challenge is like the expectation of when sh like touring revenue is gonna come in. And uh, I think that's the big one because I have some teams that are thinking, you know, okay, it's going to be like two years before we can tour. And there are some who are like, okay, in August, like we're going to be making money from live shows. And so I really have to go at that relationship from a different angle on what kind of their thought process is on that. Because uh, really the way when we were pivoting, we saw, okay, well, let's create a platform that if shows did not come back in two years, like this can help an artist survive, we can survive on this. But then as live comes back, we can slowly integrate those live features that we were doing. And so that was kind of the 
first part to your question. Remind me the second part. <laughs> I don't know. I'm old. I forget things. It's, it's really, to me, it's more about like, I love what you're talking about. I love what you're doing. How can you grab some of these um, fans where you don't have the ownership on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yeah. YouTube, you know, the DSPs. I would imagine that's part of your strategy is to get those audiences to also not instead of, but also mm -hmm. participate in a direct way. So the artists can have ownership because once they have ownership, like with an email list and yeah. all these other things, then some beautiful things start happening because now you can have the dialogue with them. You can let them know about, you know, your release cadence. You can let them know about your touring plans, any merch, any commerce that you have. That's where it becomes really powerful, right? So how, how can you or with the band get these fans from these other platforms? Yeah, so um, this is kind of an interesting example that we just kind of created, I think it was like two or three weeks ago. And I wanted to prove my point on the fact that fans want community and like what is a factual statistic I can have that fans want this community. Uh, so we actually made a very simple TikTok, took me like five minutes to make. Uh, and it was a literally a Google form and it was called like Swifty matching. So it was I posted the video and it was like, hey guys, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, fill out this form, we'll match you with another fan. Um, and within 24 hours, over 7,000 fans had filled it out because wow. they wanted to talk with other fans. And so that like, and that's really kind of why I started the company was because I met so many of my best friends through music, you know, Absolutely. early on. And I really wanted to enable them, especially like kind of when you look at Gen Z and it's all like online, I wanted an online tool to help them create like actually lifelong friendships that could be. Important. Well, you just touched on something really important. And that is I've been reading about a couple of smaller startups that are starting because of COVID to bring people together with their interests. It could be art, it could be mm -hmm. food, it could be music. But I think that's really smart because growing up, I became fans of, or a fan of certain artists. And once you meet other fans of that artist, you're instantly connected. Yeah. And today we're isolated because of this pandemic. Yeah. And if that's part of your offering, which it sounds like it does, I think that could be really, really powerful. And I know Michael agrees you know, he has this podcast for the rock band Kiss, and a lot of those folks feel like they're outsiders, maybe they're distanced by miles or whatever. But man, you bring people together into one platform where they can express their feelings, their opinions, and maybe connect with people who are connected with the artist and with your platform, maybe even actually connect with the artist. I think that could be yeah. really powerful. Is that kind of the model? Oh, yeah, it's definitely... Uh, we built this all off of, you know, our biggest value is community and how can we really foster that community overall as music fans, but even, you know, within the fan bases and you see uh, these fans just, it's crazy when you kind of get to meet them and talk with them and their, you know, best friend lives in Australia, but they met them through a fan account. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really what we wanted to help create was, and that's what we found too the way that you create a super fan is through emotion. And that can be whether that's an in-person or a virtual event. 
And by creating these relationships with other fans, yeah. these fans are getting so attached to that artist emotionally yeah. that then they're willing to spend more money. They're going to travel to go see them at MSG, you know, and they become yeah. these like rabid super fans. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I just remember just really quickly, um, you know, there's two reasons why someone's not buying your new music. Either one, they've never been exposed to you and your music or two, they have been and they didn't know it, know it's out. And that's kind of where marketing comes in. But you just touched on something that is so important. And unless you're a music fan and you've talked to other music fans, you don't understand it. And it sounds like you, you understand the fan mentality. I know Michael does. Um, I used to work at Tower Records many, many years ago. And one day this uh, gentleman came to the counter to buy this uh, CD. It was a cheap trick in color. And I just it was a slow day and I just casually mentioned to him, Oh, that's one of my favorite records. And we started talking. There was nobody else around. I was about ready to take my lunch break. We, you know, we just talked about music and stuff. And, and I said, Hey, you want to go grab lunch? So we went and grabbed lunch. He was visiting from Germany. That was, you know, 30 years ago or whatever it was. We're yeah. still in touch to this day. We're still sharing stuff to this day. I've gone to Germany yeah. to visit him. That's the power of music and being a music fan. And nobody knows this better than Mike sitting here because working with, you know, the podcast that he does, those fans are, are rabid and lifelong fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so I, I got involved with online fan clubs 20 some years ago when I first started working with Kiss and we were, mm -hmm. we were taking over the online properties for a lot of major artists. Yep. And, and a couple of the, and I'd like to get your take on how you're yeah. helping solve this. The problem that I saw back then, and I still see today is everybody understands the value of a fan club. And they, they love the fact that it's an additional revenue stream what they don't understand or let's put it this way very few completely understand what it means is you have to and it's not just about creating a place for community to gather because you know good or bad in this day and age there's facebook groups for every community yeah. to gather and they're free and they're free yeah. now granted as the artist you don't own the data but you know what your fans don't care about that. You know, they're not sitting here going, oh, I, I want to go hang out where I can make sure my artist owns yeah. my information. No, they just want to hang out and have community. So that is a yeah. big factor. But what really made fan clubs successful or fail very quickly was what was the additional value you put into that fan club? Meaning, okay, you're going to pay $80 for the year to join this artist fan club. What are you getting? Oh, no, you know, and, and the artists were always quick to say, oh, no problem. We'll give them a whole bunch of video clips that are exclusive and all kinds of photos. And yeah, I'll do a chat once a month with them. And inevitably, 99% of them after one month hadn't done anything to yeah, provide content, sure. which has always for me been one of the downsides to Patreon. Patreon as a tool is great, but the artists don't realize you're now setting yourself up to have to create additional content above what you're already creating for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, which you're giving away for free. You now have yeah. to create 
better and and cooler content just for your fan club. And now they're just like, uh, we don't have the time. We're not going to hire somebody to do that. And the fan club quickly dies out. And in doing so, because as you said, these are your most, these are, these are the top of the pyramid fans. These are your mm -hmm. most engaged fans. They also become the most pissed off right away. You know, I spent $80 yeah. for your fan club and you didn't do squat for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all you gave me was a discount in your online store. Why did I spend $80 for that? So how are you, what, what kind of tools or what are you doing to help the, the artists and the managers understand you don't just open this up and set it and forget it. You yeah. really have to commit to making this yeah. work as value. much as you commit to making your Instagram work or your Facebook yeah. work or your YouTube work, you have to do it here, but this can't just totally. be the same video you put on YouTube. Why would somebody mm -hmm. pay? Yeah. So I think it's a great question. Um, and what we really do when we're setting up a fan crew for an artist is the first thing we talk about is what are their priorities? Is it that they don't have enough time? Is it that, you know, they want high monetization and they're willing to put in a lot of time? Really, what are their priorities? And then we kind of work backwards from that as we figure out, okay, benefit wise. So what do your fans already like about what you're doing? How can we kind of bring some of those things over here and create benefits out of that? And you'd be surprised on some of the benefits that you can do that uh, you really don't even have to have the artist involved. And that's why I think one of the things like we're known for, and I think what we did really well pre-COVID and we're trying to bring it in now is how creative we were on trying to like execute different fan activations and fan campaigns. And so that was one of our big things is with each artist, they have an account manager who they can meet with on a monthly basis to help them figure out these ways to run their fan crew. And so automatically we tell them upfront, like you're required to at least post one thing a week. So that's a requirement. It's, you know, like we can shut down your fan crew if you do not do that. Um, and with that being said, we also help them plan out content calendars. We have like a ton of list of all the different benefits or types of videos or, you know, live streams or just small things of, you know, hey guys, like I'm on a walk today. This is my favorite park to walk in Nashville. Uh, it can be really simple things and even like photos from old photo shoots where the artist posted five photos, but the artist team has a hundred photos sitting on a hard drive somewhere, like sharing those posts. And so we really try to do a good job of making sure that it's not taking the artist a lot of time. Um, and like, just for example, with all the artists we're talking to, and we kind of plan out their content calendar, it takes about an hour of the artist time a month. And so when you kind of do the comparison of we have the equation of like how much money they're estimated to make, it's very much worth it when they see that number because you can see it, it the way we have it set up is a monthly reoccurring revenue stream because you kind of look at what, you know, Gen Z and millennials are getting used to. And we definitely target kind of a younger audience uh, fan wise, but they're used to subscriptions. And it's very interesting. We even did kind of studies to see of the old traditional model of a yearly price versus a monthly fee. If it was a you know yearly price of 50 bucks, they're like, oh, like they think about it a little more. 
But if you're like, oh, it's a monthly price of $4.99, they're like, yeah, I'm in, but they're paying more than they would if it's the yearly. Um, And so we kind of combat that in a few different ways of handholding the artists a little more and really helping them curate this content. And also a study we found was fans right now, the younger fans, they don't like produced content. They want like raw footage of me sitting here. And so it's taking even less time, you know, than I think some of those older produced videos might've taken, but I totally, I feel you. And I know that that's definitely one of the main topics we talk about with artist teams is how much actual time is this going to take up for artists? Now, one of the things when I was doing fan clubs that I found worked well was creating basically a free tier as well as the paid tier. And the, and the free tier is basically just an email address collection. Yeah. Um, but it was a way for you to tease them about everything they're missing. And why don't you mm-hmm. finally upgrade and you can see all of this stuff. How do you price out your tiers? Do you offer free tier access as well? So in the very beginning, we are not offering free tier access on purpose. Uh, we really wanted fans to initially, when they go and look, they see value in the content being provided. And then uh, once after we launch a few months, we will introduce a free tier, but we really wanted to kind of prove that it has value first. And, uh, you know, it's interesting too, looking at, there are companies who've done similar things just in different genres or different spaces. And you see like BTS and they use this app Weverse that is made for K-pop fans. And they're making 150 million a year by using this model, but the platform's only for K-pop fans. So, you know, an American artist couldn't use it. And then you see Cardi B doing OnlyFans and she's making $96 million a year by doing one post a month. And so you can kind of see how the business model works. There's just not a platform right now for that kind of generic, you know, <laughs> you do, all the other platforms, I feel like degrade your brand as an artist. And that's what we didn't want to do. Yeah. Is there any talk about, well, let me back up a little bit. The the weakness I find in a lot of these things that you're mentioning, whether it's OnlyFans, Thrills.co.uk, Cameo.com, Pledge, Patreon, all of these things is that they're a little myopic. And I think there's an opportunity here that if you're, um, let's take bands in town, for example, if I'm trying to market to the trackers of my artists. I can do that for free on bands in town. Mm. But if I know that, you know, let's say the fans of my artist would, you know, are kind of the same fans as the chain smokers, I can market to the chain smokers for very little and directly say, Hey, you know, you guys like the chain smokers. You might like my band this. Is there any talk or plans of, using this platform for developing artists or to base swap or to show some of these fans of the artists that you're working with that, hey, um, you love Taylor Swift and that this is a client, but we have a couple of other artists that we know you're going to love. Talk a little bit about that. Is that any, is it on your roadmap? Does it make sense for your business? Yeah, definitely. Um, We've always kind of seen it as like we wanted to start out, you know, initially with these higher tier artists. And then we like I've always had the dream of opening up to the thing I really wanted was not like Joe in his basement, you know, creating a fan crew. That's what we were. Right, right, right. 
Um, and so I, we will definitely open up more in the future. Cause that's, I think, you know, a big thing is when you look at these super fans, like they're usually super fans of like three to four artists. They're yeah. usually not just like, so diehard just about this right. one person. Yeah. Um, because you know, they're either like married to this other artist or best yeah. friends. Or, well, nobody you know, listens to just one artist. Yeah. And if you go to your favorite digital service provider, chances are there's going to be a section there that says, you know, fans also like, and it's a good way you can look at data platforms, you know, like chart metric and see some of that same data, but it's really important that the it's holistic, that it's not just about that one thing. You might find that you can grow your business and grow that audience by seeing what other artists that they're engaged with. Yes, definitely. And we definitely plan to open up to, you know, some of the baby racks. One, one of the big features that, fans want from a a fan club mm -hmm. is access to tickets is are you connected with any ticketing companies to provide early access special access discounted access vip access so during this time in covid where we really saw was uh, that was one thing I didn't want to deal with up front because I realized it was already a mess. <laughs> you know, it was a little bit of a mess before COVID and it became even a more mess, you know, after it. And so initially what we figured out kind of in our game plan was let's focus solely on the digital experience, really build that out. And then we're going to work on all these live features. So definitely in the future, we plan on doing some of that ticketing. Uh, but we've also found, you know, for the younger fans, it's not as important as you would think it is. Um, usually like the top three things when we did our surveys was they wanted exclusive merch, they wanted the community aspect and they wanted exclusive content uh, and pre-sale tickets weren't even really mentioned in that. And so, and that was before COVID happened. And so we're definitely planning on it, but it's a little down our roadmap. What about, you know, because of COVID, how about integrations with live streaming services then? So you can, yeah. you can sell, you know, the, the membership includes a monthly exclusive mm -hmm. live stream acoustic show. Yes. So we have that completely built in. We have kind of multiple options for the artists. We wanted to make sure that this was as customizable as possible for that specific artist and their needs. And so what we built in is we built in two APIs right now that on the fan side look completely embedded and it looks like the same type of video, but from the artist side, they really have a lot of control over whether they like want fan spaces to be seen, whether this is more of like a private hangout room with 20 fans or it's a you know full on live stream show, they really have the option to do kind of everything in between those. Yeah, let me ask you a little bit about data. If I'm an artist yeah. manager or an artist, what kind of data analytics, what, what can I expect to see? Yeah, a ton. That's like my favorite part about building this platform was the artist side of things. Um, and so like initially when the artist goes into their dashboard, they can see all this analytic data about, you know, how much revenue they're making per month or per day. And they can, you know, toggle in between time periods. They can see where their fans are, you know, geographically, which states, which countries. Uh, they can see which fans are in which tier, and they can see that actually the activity level of their fan crew. So how many fans are posting versus responses. And so 
when you look out over six months, you can really see, okay, well, this single performed a lot better, you know, with yeah. the fans than this one. Yeah. Um, they can also see everything from uh, their members' information, from their like name, their birthday, their email, when they were last seen in the app, when they joined. Uh, and initially, too, we have so they can see like who are their most engaged fans. Uh, and really start figuring out better ways to reward those top fans. Do they oh. own that data? I mean, can if I'm the artist and I've got yeah. this, I'm working with you, there are obviously email addresses that are being mm -hmm. collected. Do I own those? Yes, you do. You um, mentioned one of the top things fans wanted when you surveyed them was exclusive merchandise. And, and, mm -hmm. and I agree with that because the company I was working for was a merchandising company. Um, are you building a e-commerce backend into your system? Are you using somebody else's system? How are you, how are you putting the gate, the walled yeah. garden around that online store? And then is it, are you providing fulfillment or are you just capturing the order and sending an order file and saying you have to fulfill this? Yeah, so currently we're actually doing a lot of research on that and really trying to figure out what works best for different artists. Um, so right now we simply have it just like hooked up to their merch store. So everything's getting loaded, you know, right in that time. Uh, but we are doing a lot of research to see what does work better. Like are the artist teams wanting to create their own merch? Are they wanting us to create it? Uh, are we going to fulfill it? Do they want to fill it? And so we're really trying to figure out, you know, what is, not just the easiest, but what works the best, what process is going to be, make everyone happy in the situation. Cool. Um, when is um, fan cruise launching? Do you have a, do you have a kickoff date? So we don't have a complete set date where we're getting the last contracts and legal work done right now. Um, but yeah, we're launching within the next two months and we're really excited. Yeah. Congratulations. We'll keep us Thank posted you. on it. So um Sarah Beth, where can people learn more about with the band? Where can they reach yeah. you? Where can they kind of, um, if they're interested and this sounds like something they might want to do, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, so our website is withtheband.co and on all social media, it's withthebandvip is our handle. Um, and then my handles are just Sarah Beth period, Sarah with an H. <laughs> it's usually awesome. the way they mess up. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Really looking forward to seeing how this thing uh, goes because Michael and I are very big fans of innovation and kind of taking older models, making them new again. Mm -hmm. This is a new music business. Things have changed. This sounds really exciting. And I, I thought about like, if this was one of my favorite artists, if it would be compelling. And I, and I think mm -hmm. it is. And, and we really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about it. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. You know, Jay, as you, uh, as you implied there, we're both big fans of direct-to-fan, you know, fan 100%. clubs. You know, as I said 20 years ago, I was figuring out how we take, you know, the old KISS fan club and move it online and... Well, that's where we met. I don't know if you yeah. remember, you were, you know, I was with Universal. You were doing all the web activities for Kiss and the fan club and merch and all that stuff. And we would collaborate. 
And one of the reasons we hit it off was we're both big on fan engagement, fan clubs, direct access, all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's such a crucial part that needs to be in a artist's overall strategy. Mm-hmm. The challenge is, you know, you get a lot of the new young artists who think they want that. You, you know, it's kind of hard to break it to them and go, nobody's going to pay to join your fan club. You've got, you know, you're, you're, you're not in demand is basically yeah, what there's got to be demand. There's got to be demand. You've got to have the fan base and you've got to have the ability to create a lot of content that they want to see. Yeah. So if you're a brand new artist, that doesn't really exist. If you're a bigger artist, they get that. But as I was saying, you know, the challenge is they don't want to invest any of their time or any of their money in it. Yeah. You know, even yeah, though I'm glad you brought that up. I'm they, glad you brought they, that up. You know, it, they don't, yep. you know, I've, I've told this story many times before we, we took over the old school Fleetwood Mac fan club and tried to bring it online. And when we took it over, it was because the fans were so pissed because they paid their $80 yearly fee and got nothing. The band never gave any band label, whoever was in charge of it, never delivered on it. So fans got very pissed. And And the that's to your point, that's the wrong group of people you want to piss off because those are your key hardcore fans. And I'm glad you brought that up during the discussion because a lot of people that I talk to will say, oh, well, I think I'm going to start a Patreon or I'm going to do this. It's like, you're not ready to do that. You're not ready to commit to regular um, delivery of some type of value add, some kind of content, video, audio, what Exactly. Photos, you know, I'll, I'll often say, listen, you can't even post one thing a week for free on your social networks. You, I can't get you to give me a photograph just to post on Facebook yeah. and Instagram to keep yeah. it active. How are you going to create more content that's much cooler just for the people who are paying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and, and, th- and this isn't an issue necessarily for with the band and, and for Sarah, although it sounds like they're, they're working to try and help artists through that pain. This is more of a point that artists and managers really need to think about. If you're going to do a fan club, you know, it, it's sort of like you're getting married here. You're in it for the good or the bad yeah. in the are, long term. You are can't you just prepared walk, for the you, responsibility. Yeah, you can't just walk away from this. Yeah. Um, and and too many of them, I don't think, recognize that. We've got we've got a couple people coming up a few weeks from now to talk about their use of Patreon and stuff like that. One of them being Ron Keel, who goes all out and is doing a fabulous job with his Patreon account. But he's going to talk about how much work that is. Yeah. What, you know, and, and it's a commitment. How how does he balance that with Mm -hmm. everything you've got to still do for free everywhere else? It's a lot. It's a lot of workload. It can be very rewarding financially, but it's a lot of work and you've got to have a fan base. You're not going to make money if you've only got 10 people in your fan club. That's right. I've got a couple of clients who are killing it on Patreon because they're willing to put in the work. 
and they're willing to innovate and they're watching what other people are doing on Patreon. They're testing things, what's working, what's not working. There's something all the time I'm getting notifications. Oh, we've got this event coming up. We're doing this, we've got this. They've really embraced it as part of their routine. Um, the last thing I'll say on it is it, it can bite you. If yeah. you upset these core people, no amount of money is worth that. You, you know, we've, we've always said, you know, it, fans either love you or hate you. And the fans that love you the most are the ones that are going to support you in a fan club environment. That's but right. It's very easy to move somebody from love to hate in the blink of an eye mm -hmm. by taking them for a hundred dollars and giving them no content and whatever they can hate you now. And yeah. And now they have, you. they have this big blowhorn online where if you upset them, they're going to let people know on yeah. socials, et cetera. It's not, you're, it's not, you know, an and, 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 and I want to be clear. We're not trying to talk you out of fan clubs here because no. they are a great revenue source. They're a great community. They're a great source of street teams. It's just not a matter of just waking up and let's do it unless you're willing to pay somebody to do it for you yeah. and give them full access. You can do it that way. You know, the last thing I would say is my recommendation to many clients is who, who are thinking of this is like, why don't we start with just an email list? Think of your email list as a free fan club. You can join my fan, call it a fan club. It's free to join. Just give me your email address and work on once a month sending out an email with something exclusive in the email that doesn't get posted on your website or your socials. Yep. If you can do that for three to six months consistently, then you can sit here and go, well, now we're going to start a paid tier of the fan club. You still have your free now $4.99 a month. And I'm going to give you X about more, 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 more. Yeah. Work yourself yeah. into this. Don't, don't think you're going to just jump right in and make, you know, hundred dollars a year off of 10,000 fans and go, Whoa, this is easy money yeah, with no effort. <laughs> I think that's a really smart uh, thing that you just said. It's really good advice. It's almost like, look, before you get, uh, you know, before you have kids, maybe get a puppy and see if you can yeah. handle the responsibility. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we all learn to crawl before we walk and before we run. So just think about it. It, it, again, fan clubs are a great tool. And you should yes, definitely have it on your radar when the time becomes appropriate, when your career becomes big enough. All right. So uh, before we wrap up, just a quick shout out. Thank you to HypeBot.com, Bands in Town, Bandzoogle, Disc Makers. We appreciate everything. We do. Um, if you're listening and watching and are interested in talking to us about a sponsorship or getting your business or company or product out there, hit either Jay or myself up online. We'd be happy to chat with you. Um, if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're on Spotify, follow us, iTunes, subscribe, leave a review and a rating. That's it. We will see everybody next week.